show from a heavy metal perspective. From Danzig to death, to Dark Throne to Dr. Shrinker. Buckle up, things are about to get heavy. This is the Metal Podcast. Let's rock and roll. And welcome to the Metal Podcast with AC DJ. I am, of course, DJ, and we are extremely proud of our clean rating on um, on (laughs) Apple. (laughs) You know, um, now if you take a look at our Patreon, you know, it's not as as clean. It's still a great show, but, you know, we, we get to do a little more. On there, I am of course DJ, and I am with, as always, my my partner in crime, the the very private mystique. Um, you know, if you were to kick him, it would be like kicking the metal podcast and the family jewels. AC, how are you doing today? I'm so good, and I'm such a partner in crime. I think that we should write a rap song about it. Oh gosh, well. <laughs> Appreciate that, of course. But we have with us a very, very special guest. Um, you know, uh, we just recently met in person at the NAM show, and, and I do consider him a friend. I really appreciate him, you know, going out of his way to meet me. Uh, we have Mr. William Howell, uh, better known as DJ Will. And I think you have been, uh, you started your metal experience and i believe in 1984 so you're on your 40th year in metal i think that's when you got uh, hired with metal blade as an a and r rep and you've been uh, a key fixture in the scene for many decades now and i don't mean to age you by any means you, you look better than too we late. do of course too late <laughs> but you've helped my goodness sign anvil sacred reich princess uh pang and you've worked with armored saint uh lizzie borden slayer and i mean gosh the names go on and on you've been in radio you've uh been in documentaries and that's kind of how i first came about but i'll stop blabbing and and how are you today <laughs> sir 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 william if you don't mind me calling you that sir william so regal you should get out the sword and knight me you know <laughs> yeah, I, I well, if I, you haven't been already <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. Well, thank you, gentlemen, for having me on, on your podcast. And yes, all of what you said is true. Nothing fabricated. But if you if you look at the complete history um, from the early days early days of Metal Blade and leading into when I went into uh, Capitol Records and other aspects of working behind the scenes, hey, we come across. A lot of bands, a lot of musicians, a lot of tours uh, coming through town, whether I'm going to see them, whether I'm going to work for them in some capacity. So it's uh, it's been a long ride. It's been a long, interesting uh, learn-as-you-go ride. Yeah, and, and I got to see that firsthand because uh, we met at, like I said, the NAM show, and I appreciate you finding me throughout the crowd and uh, you know, Armored Saint, it was Phil Sandoval and Jeff Duncan were doing their set, um, right, you right. know, with, with the Viper guitars. And um, it, it was really funny because, you know, I was trying to meet these guys and, hey, introduce myself. And then, you know, not like they were nice at all, but then they see you and they're like, oh, hey, <laughs> you know, they're, they're busting their phones out saying like, why haven't you texted me? Uh, so it's like, oh, gosh, I'm, you are a celebrity, man. And it, that was really cool to see. And um, obviously, it's a testament to you as a person, because 
these guys all trust you and you know everyone else is trying to meet them there's tens of thousands of people and you're one they try to they try to meet you and get your attention <laughs> so that was pretty cool well well i appreciate that but yeah that's uh that that that's part of the, the history or especially with with that band uh, i've i've known those guys and followed those guys since before i had a license to drive a car I would no skate. I would skateboard to their shows. You know, skateboard, take the bus. So yeah, we we go back quite a while, and um, just the, the 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 nature of Nam and all the manufacturers around the world when they have these little demos and these little uh, signings at booths and whatnot. There's going to be gatherings all over, and with Nam, um, you know, being affected from the zombie apocalypse from 2020. <laughs> Uh, in the last couple of years, it was in different uh, months. But when it was back to uh, Janu- January, that was an opportunity for everyone to sort of ramp back up. All the artists come out, bands perform, this, that, and the other. Um, but, you know, with Saint, they just happen to be at that particular area and trying to make my way there. It's very difficult because Nam, I mean, we'll move on from this, but this is just an example of that that place is an opportunity to touch base with people I haven't seen in, in like forever. People from back east, people overseas that you only see but once a year. And literally, once you know, I arrive, texts are blowing up, and then you and I were trying to <laughs> communicate and just navigating just to get there. Um, you know, this is not, you know, this is it's. It is what it is. I'm literally getting stopped every five feet because <laughs> let's let's put it all on the table. I stand out. People are going to spot me. This is why I can't commit crime. Why I've never been arrested. <laughs> you know, so I was like, I go, I don't know his name, but that's the he was the wheel man for the robbery. It's very easy to spot. Very easy to spot. You know, concert of fifty thousand. You know, people. Were you at such and such show? I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I knew that was you. I saw you walking. You got to behave. <laughs> yeah, where were you? Oh, I was. I was upper upper deck, uh, section three hundred. You were at the top of the arena and you saw me. See, it happens a lot. So making my way through the phalanx of Nam uh, to 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 meet with you, I, it literally took took a minute because I'm trying to give everyone equal opera, you know opportunity to, to to you know get caught up, you know equal time, but it's it's not always easy. And Saint, along with all the reps and the retailers, the manufacturers, you know, it's just uh, you know nature nature of that event. I, I had not been there in the last couple of years because uh, it was a lot more scaled down again since 2020. But yeah, I had some business over there, and you were you were on my list. Oh, I I do feel special. And thank you. <laughs> and, well, I know there was all this buildup, but it's like that was just a microcosm of the, the totality of the, those four days. Um, just trying to touch base with everybody and not always so easy. Thank God we have at least uh, cell phones. So it's nice to meet you properly for the first time because I have yeah. heard of the metal podcast. And, well, uh, thank you. Know. I, I really appreciate that. And and I will admit I did. You know, not necessarily try to, but I did, I guess, for lack of a better term, eavesdrop on some of your conversations. But it, what, what <laughs> people were asking was, <laughs> hang on, AC, it's, it's good stuff, <laughs> is that there? you were asking people like, hey, how did I sound when I was you uh, when you were 
um announcing at the metal allegiance because that is, oh. is a big event and i was like wow this guy really cares about his craft and you know i, I couldn't help I, I tried to turn my ears off but i just like i need to hear that from a professional like you and i'm like good you are an incredibly humble professional man and how was that experience i i, I wish i had gone i was a little too wiped out from <laughs> the, the day before like damn really uh <laughs> took me for a whirl well, I appreciate that. Thank you. I don't mind the eavesdrop. Let me uh, <laughs> l- let me set the let yes. me set the tone for your viewers and your listeners. Uh, what DJ is talking about is the Metal Allegiance uh, group and project that started ten years ago. Uh, it was it was then called Metal Masters. Mark Mangi, he was a rep at Heart. Um, uh, Harky, Harky Samson. He was a uh, rep for that company, and slowly but surely, um, he has his connections in the business. As do I. During the motorboat uh, cruise that sailed out of Florida way back when, long the long and short of it was uh, there was a cancellation, and that what ended up happening. Mark, along with Dave Elson and others, decided to just do a jam. And that jam resulted in doing a bunch of covers of all the their subsequent bands that they've all been part of, Guys of Testament, Slayer, so on and so forth. So that was a nucleus of Metal Legions that started on a boat <laughs> that wound its way on land. So as it was rebranded Metal Allegiance, they have since put out two releases, Volume 1, Volume 2, amazing, and a covers EP. Metal Allegiance is basically comprised of what I, what I consider the who's who in the world of thrash metal. You know, Marco Segata, Death Angel, Gary Holt, Slayer, Exodus, Chuck Billy, and uh, Alex, Alex uh, from... Yeah, I was see, I'm thinking of Alex Perales. <laughs> His last name I can't pronounce, which is he's a he's an engineer he, for many years for Megaforce, <laughs> and I just stumbled on the last name. He's like, of course I know Alex. So from Testament, uh, Dave Elson from Megadeth, um, Mike, Mike Portnoy, hmm. uh, Dream Theater, and thirty other bands. So uh, you know, Bobby Blitz, Overkill, hmm. uh, Phil Demo. You know, violence on and on and on. So you have everyone participating um, when Metal Legions comes to town. NAM is the best vehicle for it because everyone is coming to the convention anyway. So there's just a lot of scheduling involved with getting everyone to rehearsals, getting the show set. And I've I've been the host for the last several years. I also you know went on tour with them uh, when we had our five fifth anniversary. So that was a lot of fun. And that led into uh, Murder in the Front Row, which was the uh, documentary and, well, documentary based on the scene and also based on the book, the photo book uh, from Harold O. and Brian Liu, were documentary, uh, visual documentary gentlemen who shot as much as they could of Banco Metallica, maybe people oh, heard of Never heard of them. Ben- Banco <laughs> Exodus, maybe. Oh, I like them. And they were. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, oh, now, now he waits. Um, so, Metal Legions is just that. So, when I'm, you know, we had a sold out House of Blues. It was great. 
it was one of the, the marquee events for uh, that week because uh, some manufacturers do promote their brands by having bands play mm-hmm. um, outside of the convention. But in this instance, with Metal Legions, we usually are at the House of Blues or at the Grove of Anaheim. So since I've been the MC for this for so many years, um, you know, I have no problem projecting, but there's the whole aspect of I have the wireless, I have the wedge in front of me. So depending on the reaction, I often really can't gauge if people either paying attention or heard clearly what I Mm -hmm. said. So that was sort of like, hey, at that, so what you heard, Mm -hmm. so to bring this back around to what you were um, eavesdropping on, eavesdropping (laughs) on, people who stated that they were at uh, the show, that was my opportunity to say, hey, just as things got started, uh, did you hear what I had to say? Um, was it clear? Because I go, I know I don't mumble. And uh, so it's that's that's a big chunk of what that whole experience is. Also, too, as soon as I'm done with the intro and the show starts, I run the teleprompter. So that's <laughs> sort of like the the man behind the, the, the mask, the, the man behind the screen. Or in your partner's case, DJ, the man behind the oh. dark screen. It's like, Heard but not seen. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And my my knowledge of that is I know all the songs. So while I know the songs and you know the singers do know the songs as well, it's best that they have the guide lyrics in case they get lost as they're on stage. So I dip to the side of stage and I'm just I just run the teleprompter. So uh, that's um, that's 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 my my second uh, job on that. So, so yeah, so there you have it. Metal Legions, the, the long slash short version of it. Um, it's a fun project. They plan to do another record and I'm always happy to take part of that because they're all friends of mine. They're all bands that I've promoted, um, toured with, uh, in some capacity and done some promotion for, um, you know, way back when. So it's, uh, it's a, it's a fun time. Yeah, it doesn't sound like uh, really work at all. It's funny. We had um, Norman Skinner on our last uh, episode, uh, the new vocalist for uh, Forbidden. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I told him that I actually worked for a teleprompter company. So I I have operated a teleprompter before. And I I was going to ask if you used a teleprompter, but you probably don't need to. Uh, But it's funny that you're operating it. But he mentioned that I think it was Rob Halford would use. Um, was it a teleprompter yes. AC or what? What did he exactly say? I can't remember. I'm pretty sure was, he said it was a teleprompter, and okay. and uh, that's his uh, sunglasses were kind of covering up that he was looking at, over at it. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Well, look, uh, uh, Rob Halford at his age, with with the the amount of 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 work he puts into a show just with those screams alone same thing with glenn hughes how are these guys in their 70s still be able to literally just kill it and yeah he is a teleprompter and a, a lot of it uh, he doesn't hide the fact glasses aside when he's leaning in a lot of leaning in like he's, he's bowing well yeah the teleprompter's right there so you know that, that was how we it, chopped it that, up is at his age yeah, give, exactly, give the guy yeah. Yeah. <laughs> give, yeah, right. So if anyone's going to be, you know, overtly critical, that, think about uh, the stamina it takes to do an hour plus show, um, 
You know, it's not a young man's game. An hour plus show, screaming the way he does, and and consistently. We're not talking one or two dates. These are multiple shows, long tours, and he's still at it. So I just wanted to uh, throw in my two cents in support of the uh, the AARP Metal Brigade. <laughs> they are delivering. They are they are killing it, and we got to give them a prop for that. Any any assistance or aids that might be required, I let it slide. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's not like we, yeah, we we excused it for his age, mm-hmm. but we we also brought up Ozzy using one, but that was because yeah, you know, his brain has been going south <laughs> for decades now. So it's Rob Halford is just he's seventy two years old, and it's and he's not like a lot of artists that like, and we do like Dawkin, but it's it's very clear that Dawkin needs to use a bunch of effects to still sound like he did in his prime. But again, Dawkin is, is over 70 years old. So at a certain point, you yeah. know, give a break. Come on. Yeah. And, 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 and that's another thing that, there. yeah. And that's another thing that we've talked about. And, and when we talk about modern artists, uh, it's all a track. Like none of them are singing because it is not easy to, to sing for an hour plus like that takes a lot of stamina and if you're if you're adding like flips and jumping around and and there's very few people that can do it and uh, again i i firmly believe that bruce dickinson is doing it but that's probably partially why he's able to do it is because essentially what he does every night is training in a way like that's that's his Mm -hmm. exercise and it's a pretty rigorous Mm-hmm. thing to do and and those guys you know they're no spring chickens either but they're they're as far as performance they're better than they were you know 40 years ago yeah well well you know you know c- c- consistency and you know it's like not getting any younger you know father time <laughs> is undefeated but meanwhile if they're still able to you know get on planes get on tour buses and go to these venues and Venues will have them, and the, the, the fans will continue to come out. Uh, why stop? It's got to be uh, something, you know, insurmountable to make you, you know, you know, completely shut it down. So, uh, yeah. Well, well, I know we talked about a little bit about kind of what you're you've been up to in regards to Nam and the Metal Allegiance, but what what do you have going on now? Like what? Um, because I know you have your radio show, but I, we talked a little bit, I think, at NAM about kind of it mm-hmm. that something happened after 20 years. Um, but yeah, I want to yeah. know what what your what what you got going on now, or, or what's going on in the uh, not the metaverse, but the metalverse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, for myself, uh, what you were what you were referring to can uh, to sort of relay that to everyone listening and watching. Uh, it's my background with KNAC and KNAC was uh, a brick and mortar station, uh, technically back in the seventies, but it didn't flip to metal format until uh, like 86. So 105.5 KNAC, which uh, was based out of Long Beach, California. Of course, if you've seen anyone who's seen the black and white stickers on, on road cases, you know, t-shirts, hats, you name it. It has been synonymous with the scene in uh, Los Angeles area. And KNEC was one of the handful of stations that played heavy metal. 
We had KLOS. We have KMET. Uh, only KLOS still functions. It's classic rock for the most part. They do have some specialty shows. But KNAC was pure uh, hard rock and heavy metal, which was kind of unheard of in the market. And it had a small had a small signal, but had a loyal fan base and kind of still has a loyal fan base to this day, especially with, with the advent of social media. When KNAC was bought out by Spanish Station and went dark, uh, 95, that was an unfortunate uh, time in, uh, in Los Angeles. When it flipped the script to a different format, the brand went dormant for about three years. As the technology grew, um, you know, everyone was uh, getting, getting uh, versed into uh, the Internet. <laughs> and then uh, it went online in 1998. So KNEC.com uh, began. The stream also uh, was a benefit where you could play everything 24-7 and then eventually have live DJs. So I came into play a couple years after that and did that for 20 years. We had a physical studio in one, one in Manhattan Beach and the second one in Hollywood at Raleigh Studios across from Paramount. So had fun with that. It was a labor of love, uh, getting all kinds of folks in there, Uli John Roth, Ingve Malmsteen, Black Sabbath, uh, David Coverdale, on and on and on. So we'd have them in studio if they had something, uh, you know, a show locally. It was easy for them to get down to the studio. That was great. And then we'd have, you know, phoners, which uh, yeah. which was the case, which we did that for a number of years. Myself and several of the other jocks would come in, do our shows, have fun with it. About six or seven years ago, um, the details are, I guess, long-winded, but I'll just state that the, the the stream came to an end. And while the station uh, was online, it was, you know, was an aggregate for news, reviews, uh, live photos that you can still see or if you go to KDC.com. But at the time, DJs had a link to all their, their emails. The listeners could interact with us in real time. We had a we had a webcam, we had a chat room, and unfortunately, that part all went away. So that, along with the stream, made it very difficult to do a show. But I was fortunate enough that uh, the the station Total Rock, based in the UK, they were nice enough to pick up my show while I was still doing. It with KNEC. They were nice enough to pick up my show and rebroadcast it as is. I do some edits because often I have a lot of you know, KNEC drops in there. Or, you know, if I had interviews and rebroadcasted some old interviews, well, we're referencing you know things that are more localized. Where we're talking more about the station. So I've been able to just do my show with Total Rock Radio for the last six years. And it airs uh, once a week on and Monday mornings, GMT. So that's the quick early plug. Um, so that it's easier to do. I just compile three hours of music. Um, they they uh, people involved put in all the stingers, 
and all the drops at the beginning, at the end. So I just give them three hours of content each week, and it's been great. So that's what I've been doing since uh, KDC uh, stream went away. But I'm still part of KDC in the context of you can do a Google search. You can do a deep dive on the website in our archives. You'll see old reviews I've done or interviews, and uh, it's still out there. The content didn't all completely just vanish since the <laughs> the stream went away. But it's it's unfortunate that if you have a station that a a you know an internet radio station radio music s- silence not good so again without completely getting into it i i almost did don't for you guys but things happen onward and upward right now what i'm focused on and actually what i'm playing all this this month is artists that are going to be on my 10th, can't believe it's been that long, my 10th uh, Monsters of Rock cruise. Mm. And this year we have a lot of great artists. So what I did was just compiled um, three hours of artists uh, on there. You know, we've got uh, Y&T, Hardcore Superstar, um, uh, Rhino Bucket, Dangerous Toys, uh, Glenn Hughes, the Darkness, Joe Satriani, a lot of Swedish, uh, a lot of more Swedish bands, along with, along with hardcore superstar, a band called Treat, a band called Heat, uh, Cruel Attentions, uh, Crazy Licks, <laughs> so Winger, Winger. So <laughs> just those are just some off the top of my head that I'm looking forward to seeing because I'm also going to be involved with uh, some Q and A's for certain artists and introducing uh, some acts. They all play twice, and that's kind of what my focus is because uh, the cruise is, well, when you hear this, it'll be long uh, since passed, but it's March 2nd through the 7th, and I look forward to it. But right now, my mindset is getting everything ready for the cruise because I have to get not only my personal belongings, but my equipment, put together the music, and uh, people think, no, it's not just pressing the button. There's more involved because... I'm doing certain things on the fly because we have theme nights. We have situations where, um, depending on who the Q&A artist is, I'm going to have their music already ready to go before we start. But I have to put in order uh, how much of the discography I, wanna, I want to uh, uh, you know, in, involve. Uh, cr- perfect example, the band Accept. They're going to be on the ship. They have a new record out uh, called Humanoid. Uh, again, by the time this airs, you guys hear this, it will already be out. So I have all of Accept's music, but I don't have their new album. So hopefully by the time I get to Miami, I'll have that track locked and loaded. So the whole key is preparation and forecasting. Even though I've done these cruises so many times, because it's like a floating festival. <laughs> um, so all the all the the fests that are in Europe uh, on a regular basis which are awesome with lineups that just run the gamut from all styles. You can have your, 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 your pick of the bunch and choose who you want to see. But with the cruises, and then there's other ones. There's, there's Shiprocked. Um, you know, there's the, uh, I think it was the Moody Blues Cruise. There's the, there's the Prog Rock one um, that follows ours. So there's, there's theme cruises. There's the 70, 000, 70 Tons of Metal. That's another one. That's all primarily black metal 
death metal, so on and so forth. So there's a, there's a, there's an audience for all of it. And when we do these events, it's, uh, it's a lot of work, uh, but it's, it's, it's a working vacation. And I appreciate that. So my focus literally is, is that as we speak. Wow. No, that's the the first time I became aware of like the monsters of rock cruise or that they do that is, um, I mean, I've seen it advertised before, but in my bowling league, this guy had the shirt on and I forgot what year it was, but it was when I think Megadeth was the headliner, but they didn't end up going because Dave was sick at the time. But he uh, said, it, yes. was, he said yeah. it was the coolest thing ever. Like he got to meet all the bands and you're like, mm-hmm. it's like you said, it's a floating festival. I was like, holy crap. I got to, I think Armored Saint is going to be on that one that you're going to be on this year, aren't they? I'm pretty sure. Yes. Yeah. Yes, Armor Saint. Yes, another one of the bands uh, that uh, will be seeing my my boys, <laughs> and uh, and the cruise you're talking about. We uh, the people that produce uh, Monsters of Rock cruise also oh, did that it one. It was okay. uh, Mega Cruise. Mega yeah, Cruise. Yeah, that's what it was. Yep. Which which sailed out of the West Coast, and uh, ironically, Armor Saint were on that as well. But okay. yeah, that was a very um, that was a yeah that was very interesting because yeah they've got sick, couldn't be on. It was. The whole cruise was built around Megadeth, right. but we all, we, yeah, we all made the most of it. Uh, the members of Megadeth, of course, were there, so mm-hmm. we we got it done. Was pretty happy with the results under the circumstances. So hopefully, we'll have a, a sequel. Hopefully, it'll be out of the West Coast again. That'd be awesome. Yeah, you know that kind of reminds me. I'm gonna probably steal AC AC's thunder, but he has a really yeah, great ahead. question. but and we've been asking this with some guests um and my my uncle joe you know it kept him up all night after he listened to our episode about this question but when does a band stop being that band and and, you know for instance like even like i guess megadeth you know but you know dave is the main songwriter he's the singer but maybe like um you know like like foreigner i don't think has any original members in the band but but the question we asked was to jeff carlisi of 38 special and i think they have one original member if i if i can remember right but he said the the music is timeless you know that that it it goes on you know we're not trying to out anyone we even had mark ferrari on our show who wrote uh and uh, produced proud to be loud for pantera on their power metal album and, yeah. you know, we asked him that question because and, and we haven't necessarily gotten a definitive answer because, yeah, Pantera is out on the road. We're not trying to say, oh, that's not Pantera, you know, it, you know, but like it's great that the new fans can see Pantera even without the Abbott brothers, you know, you know, mm-hmm. you know rest in peace, of course. But we're still trying to figure out or, or get the opinion on it. And even like a Van Halen, you know, without David Lee Roth, is that Van Halen? Well, to me, it has, you still have the main songwriter, Eddie, of course. So, and yeah, like the singer is the easiest one when you replace it. There is a different sound, but is it still that band? <laughs> what, have you thought of this? Because <laughs> I, and, I, and to add context, I would, yeah. I would add to, because when, when you drop the singer, well, it's not the band, it's not the singer. The two most obvious examples are ACDC and Iron Maiden. Mm. Like you, they, the original singer is replaced and they went on to have, not only like bountiful careers, but uh, in some cases, like there's no question that that's the singer, even though Bon Scott, it wasn't just like two albums. Everyone forgot about him. Like that is a legendary voice. And there was a lot of great mm-hmm. records, 
But right. even though he died, people didn't have a problem with uh, Brian Johnson. I, I'm sure there were there were purists out there that said, well, it's not Bon Scott's not ACDC, but there was never any real debate. And the same thing with Bruce Dickinson. Hmm. So defining ceasing being a band, I think, yeah, to, to get a definitive answer on this, you're definitely going to get multiple <laughs> opinions <laughs> and different and different perspectives because you're getting uh, them from uh, you know artists themselves that have experienced lineup changes, and as a lot of these legacy bands go through phases, most. All bands go through phases. We all go through phases in life, but not to be philosophical to to your, your question. Oh, that's okay. But <laughs> when a band starts at a, a certain stage, if their stature builds and builds and builds, there's going to be conflict. There's going to be, uh, you know, you know, things that result in members leaving. Uh, could be health. Could be financial. Could be uh, wanting to do their own project, they've 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 gotten their fill of being part of this act, and they want to move on. So, for a myriad of reasons, this happens on a regular basis. Um, and, and incidentally, I can probably think of maybe two bands that have kept the same lineup, you know, forty plus years, and that's on one hand. I mean, just you know, that's it's it's very rare. Bands' identity is based on how they start and how much consistency they keep as they change through the styles over the years. You know, uh, they dip into, uh, you know, the drop tuning phase or the the look becomes synonymous with, you know, with the wardrobe, like as it did in the late 80s, 90s for certain acts. Um members change and when they do the brand remains uh, one example you gave foreigner mm -hmm. if mick doesn't play with them on select dates as he has since uh, this it, this uh version of foreigners out there there are no original members but meanwhile they're not trying to put up a front, but it's billed as foreigner. Baby boomers, Gen X may not register the, the OG lineup, but as you said, those songs are timeless. If these legacy acts have a significant body of work, those songs are still on the radio. Those songs are still in commercials. They're still in soundtracks. They're still in everyday life in some capacity. You may not know. Peter, Chris, and Ames Fraley have not been in Kiss for over two decades, but you know rock and roll all night. <laughs> it, it go, I can go on and on, A to Z, of all these popular acts that members have moved on. So the identity will always change with the songs and with the brand. As long as you have the brand, that's what promoters, that's what uh, booking agents can rely on, the brand. As long as you're playing your, the hits, I can get... I can get bodies in the door. And that's why Foreigner can, and I'm making Foreigner a reference because that's one act that literally uh, 
again, if you take Mick out of the equation on a regular basis, they do they're they're, they're doing a residence. They're doing a residence residency in Vegas. They're still touring, but with no original members. And do you know if they have the blessing of Mick and all that, but they're able to still extend their careers as foreigner, but not members who played on any of those original recordings. So as you mentioned, AC, yeah, there's going to be purists out there that are going to scream, you know, holy heck. <laughs> it's like, what, what, <laughs> what in, what in tarnation is this? But their kids growing up, they're not going to know. They're not going to know the background history. It's, it's too it's too convoluted for them to uh, the way I look at it. It's um, you know instant gratification. We, we just we just want to go to the show, have a good time, and not worry and think about uh, who's original and who's a new member. If the songs are performed well, if I can, if the sound quality is good at the venue that I'm seeing it at, and I'm out with my family or I've taken my kids to a show. Hey, I want to take you to go see this band I grew up with. Or I, I saw them in high school. I have a family now. I have kids. Then it's like they're going to take them to the show. But, the, you know, dad, mom or dad are not going to give a complete dissertation of like, here are all the bullet talking points about <laughs> uh, the history of this band. Little Susie, little Billy. And as you go to the show, they're not doing that. They're not doing that. They're going to simplify their life. Go to the show. Have a good time. And when you uh, leave, um, you're not soured on the fact that, man, I, I wish um, I wish that bass player was in the band. I wish the singer was still there. The songs are there. It's all about the music. Go to the live show and hear it live. It, but if the members are different, it's, you know, it is what it is. So, that, again... That's that's a question to get multiple perspectives on, but I look at it as legacy acts who are still slugging it out 30, 40, 50 years later. Um, you're going to get, you know, last woman standing, last man standing um, because it's just the nature of life. Um, you know, that's that's how I see it. That's how I see it. So take from that what you will. I, I see both sides of it because I, if I, at, at this point, I, I'm, I'm not a, a purist that I was when I was, when I was young, <laughs> I'm, I'm too, I'm too old to, to spurg out about things like that. But if Megadeth played near me, I would go see Megadeth. But part of me just thinks like Dave Ellison needs to be in this band still. Like it's still Megadeth without him, but there, there's still like a sentimentality to it. Will, do you like professional wrestling? <laughs> There's a, a, a segue for you. Uh, I'll watch it. Uh, I find it entertaining. I, I, I did uh, when I was younger. I'm not more up to speed with uh, 100% of, of uh, the WWE these days. So, yeah, the reason I bring it up because... Um, for for some reason, WWE was in my related YouTube feed. I have no idea why, but so I, I've just been randomly watching these these matches from 
various decades because I liked it when I was young and I hadn't really mm-hmm. revisited it since I was a kid. And I was like, whatever it's, I just keep seeing it. And that's how marketing works. They keep dang- dangling it in front of you. And eventually you go, I will buy those extreme Lay's potato chips. But I saw some match with the undertaker from like 2015 and he mm-hmm. was using his classic theme and I, cause his original it's, it's the funeral March, but then he had mm-hmm. that other theme in the attitude era. Then he came back as a biker with the, yeah. the kid rock song, but they went back to the classic undertaker theme. So that's kind of the lens through. I, I see things where people know that people liked the old stuff, especially with these legacy acts and the undertaker. I mean, he retired somewhat recently, but at, for a long time, he was still a, a pretty much a legacy act in, in wrestling. So I, I just see like, like Dave, I, I know you are Dave, but like you're 60 plus years old. You've had cancer. You, you've lived the life and you're humble now. Just, just patch things up with these old members. Just b- bring Chris Poland and Dave Ellison back. Just put it down. The one- Come on. <laughs> but when you, you have sort of drawn a line in the sand, if you, you take away all the controversy with, with everything that happened with Elson, you know, he's, he sort of made his decision. Um, uh, Dave Mustaine has, and, but he's, but that's also, It's also a product of he's had multiple lineup changes and to, to want to bring back any old members, you know, it wouldn't be on a permanent basis. It would be on a short term or a guest spot, you know, on a, on let's say a recent tour he's doing, let's say he he's, he's someone that set in his ways when he's made a decision. So, I, I think, and when he's been public about it, that makes it all the more difficult uh, to sort of break bread and let the past be the past. Um, that, that, that unfortunately, my opinion, I don't think that's repairable. I'll just say, I think that door is closed. Oh, he's no, sort I, of, yeah, I agree. Yeah. But to I me, don't see. Yeah, sorry, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. No, I'm just saying. I just, I just personally don't see it re- repairable. Um, Junior's gone on uh, to sort of do other projects. He has, you know, he has the Kings of Thrash. He also, like you said, yeah, Deeth, which is great. Deeth, yeah, and uh, also it's coffee. Yeah, it's coffee. So he's <laughs> branded. He's branded himself and mm-hmm. his projects out to keep busy because he doesn't have, uh, you know, he doesn't have Megadeth to fall back on, but. Which is unfortunate, but meanwhile, he's much like everyone else. He has to keep moving forward. And to sort of tie back into your Undertaker reference, Casey. You're welcome. He reinvented himself, became Mm -hmm. this uh, biker character. It's sort of like um, how certain wrestlers start out with a certain name, a, a brand themselves. Well, they just reinvent reinvent themselves. If that if that uh, being a heel isn't working, let's let's switch it up and let's see if we can get more of a pop from the crowd if we do this new character. Uh, you know, I'm trying to think, of, um, so many. How about Doink the Clown? Yeah, 
he never, started, never a fan. He, he started out as Matt Osborne or Matt Bourne. He was some guy and they reinvented him as Doink the Clown. <laughs> yeah. You know, Mankind. You know, he oh, was yeah. Cactus, Cactus Jack. These are these are good names. But I think after what the third or fourth iteration of the new character, um, that 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 clicked. Undertaker was working. Then he went to something else and then back to Undertaker. And he retired as Undertaker Hall of Fame because that's what people most mostly know him as. If any artist does just did a disco record. Dynasty. <laughs> yeah, Dynasty they did a, yeah. they, okay. They did a aforementioned, I'm you know, this is to sort of give a quick example off the top of my head. The Elder was a concept record that was gonna be a whole production that never got off the ground because it it tanked, but fans over time have warmed up to it. But that is not what Kiss was all about or sounded like when they started. They they just reinvented themselves for whether it's uh, band decision, management decision. Let's let's change with the times. Let's uh, allow ourselves to be influenced by others around us uh, for ways to sort of. You know, do something different. Let's switch it up. So it's like some things work, some things don't. And meanwhile, to go back to what uh, you, you know, the Undertaker example and what I said previously, the brand lives on. I still see you still see Undertaker shirts. You, you'll see more of those shirts than you will of his his biker persona. You just will. It's because it was so embedded in that in the culture. Kiss logo is embedded in the culture since the seventies. They stopped touring the world now. Doesn't matter. Gene Paul, you know, uh, you know Eric and and um, so sad. Vinny Vincent. (laughs) (laughs) See. My my long pregnant pause allowed you to uh, throw that in there. No, I meant Tom, I was going to say Tommy Thayer. Vinny Vincent would would have not even been on the forefront of uh, <laughs> the example I was trying to say. I'm just saying the current members of Kiss will all actively be doing things despite they're they're moving on. They've got too much merchandise, too much it's too much out there uh, to stop. So it doesn't mean that the live performances, you know can cease. It doesn't mean that the other members will do other things and they'll still they always still be part of KISS. Okay. So it's uh again the brand. Brand like Elvis Presley. Is he with us? No. Elvis still makes the estate of Elvis Presley still makes probably 30, 40 million in licensing. And I'm this just a ballpark figure. Marilyn Monroe brand still makes the estate still makes money and this will go on for perpetuity trust me well with the horrors of ai we could keep both of these artists alive and working have you heard have you heard any of these like ai covers where i and this was another thing that popped into my feed the other day it was uh it was jim ross singing my way by limp biscuit Ooh, hard pass. It sounded like (laughs) JR singing it. And and it's, and it's funny because a lot of these people that you like, you can make anyone sing anything, 
And a lot of those people, well, not a lot of them, but um, I, I, I couldn't tell you that, but many of them probably don't try to sing, so they just, they can't. But with AI, you can make some people sound like good singers. Like Paul Stanley, he, he cannot sing anymore. He blew his voice out. That's fine. He's old. He was, he was a very good singer. But through AI, they could, Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons could, could release another Kiss record. And with, like, they can do the music and they could use AI to have Paul Stanley sing. So theoretically, well, I, they yeah, could theoretically, do that. but. It, it, AI to me is just a, a an auto tune upgrade. Yeah, you can take, you know, you just go with someone in the studio who has no singing ability whatsoever. Uh, you 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 punch a few buttons, you you flip up a few levers, and voila, they're 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 literally in tune. So that's the technology. Uh, it's a double edged sword for for good bad. <laughs> it's like yeah, but any AI related stuff, not a fan. I'm well, all about the organic, but yeah, oh, I I know about it, but no, no. Well, you know, don't, don't ever think that, uh, any opportunity that Gene Simmons has to make another dollar, he won't jump on it. So, you know, I wouldn't rule that one out, <laughs> but, but going back to like original lineups, and this is something that it wasn't that long ago. It was like, like 15 years ago when, when Danzig released the, the lost tracks, it was just the compilation of b-sides mm-hmm. and unreleased stuff i was talking right. with some guy like why why would danzig not ju- like it would be such a big money-making opportunity just get back even for one tour with with erie vaughn chuck biscuits and john christ and just play stuff from the first four albums because there is there is such a heavy nostalgia because at a certain point bands just become like it's that guy and a bunch of young people like the cure was, was fat Bob and friends for years. Like wasp was Blackie lawless and some 20 year olds and you, and you go to see it. And it's still like, again, we saw wasp when they, we did the crimson idol and it was one of the best mm. shows I've ever seen. Yeah. And I, I, there was never a moment when I was watching it where I'm like, this ain't wasp. It's just Blackie laws, but there's still, there's still something to, to bring everyone back and just have that kind of heartfelt nostalgia reunion. And then like, we're all getting old. Like, none, none of us are, are 16 years old anymore. And that's right. for, and, and all these legacy acts. It, yeah. And I didn't think that Megadeth would ever get together, but it's, it's just something that I, it's I wishful thinking on your yeah, part. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I would want it, but yeah. like, there's well, a, a lot of these bands, they, they can bite the bullet and, like Danzig for years said there would never, ever be a misfits reunion. Like he, ne- he said, no, that will never happen. I, I listened I'm- to Ricky Ratman's radio show in like 2004 or something. And he had Danzig on and it was mm-hmm. a really, it was a really good show. And then someone called in and said, will there be a misfits reunion? And you could tell Ricky was like, oh God, oh no, what have you done? But Danzig was cordial about it. He's like, yeah, yeah, you know, I did that Sam Hain reunion or I did the thing with, uh, I got back with Steve Zing and played some of that. And I, yeah, that was a good time. But no, there will not be another Misfits reunion ever. No, like he was, he was pretty kind of cold and straightforward. No, but then, you know, he, he did it. Yeah. Well, first red flag, uh, call screener needs to vet the questions better. If (laughs) the guest has things that they don't want to discuss, that should be handed over to the call screener and or the producer. So that way 
a, a question like that does not get through. I know, I know this all too well from my years as a call screener for uh, Rockline Radio. So <laughs> that's just one of those situations <laughs> that you create an uncomfortable, potential uncomfortable scenario where the guest doesn't want to discuss it, uh, but that's the whole purpose of screening the call. So you have an idea of what the caller wants to talk about, and then you just sort of guide them into let's keep it topical or let's focus on the new release because certain topics are just retreaded, retread, you know, tired, effed out um, things to go over. Because how many, like for instance, Udo and Accept, how many variations can he bring up and state uh, why he's no longer singing for Accept or what happened between you all, Wolf? It's like, move on. That's an example. I mean, Udo, as the band Udo, they literally have as many releases as Accept. People don't realize that. They have almost 19 records out as Udo. But with with the, the, the questions that get asked to Mr. Dirk Schneider in interviews I've heard, it's just like that's, that's literally the default setting that anyone brings up. So that was just a quick example of like what a call screener will do. Just like Let's move on from that question. Let's let's keep it fresh. Let's uh, you know, we have it. But nostalgia, wishful thinking, you know, these are AC. These are things that you, as a fan, you as a someone who enjoys these groups, you would like to see. But you've got egos involved. You have um, there. There's uh, again pride. Uh, there's a lot of reasons why these would never happen again because you know what's done is done so yeah yeah i i just i'm just saying i i go either way like again i i yeah, would see danzig right. again and just you know i i think I, he doesn't there's no like formal lineup at this point but like, i'm yeah. sure Irivan, be- Irivan, Irivan would give you a more succinct answer if you were to be asked that question uh, because he has his whole history with, you know, with his history of the Misfits, and Sam Hain being a photographer, being the bassist, but he has, you know, his own life these days. But doubt he would ever be asked, and if he was, would he even accept? And probably there's a list of reasons why he would never sit for the stage, but I can't speak for him. I just give you that as an example. Chuck Biscuits. Unknown where he's at these days. John Christ, I, he's around doing guitar-related projects, but for the most part, I doubt those guys would ever be asked. And unless there's a big-ass payday, like clearly there was when the um, Misfits. version of the Misfits re, re, uh, reunited in the last few years. Big crowds. Played all the great Misfits songs. You got the, you got the core member. It's all you need. Really, and you know, obviously exceptions to the rule, but you know, I'm just sort of, I'm just sort of hammering on me as a fan as well, talking to you to broaden your expectations. Oh no, no, I I know exactly what it is, but I'm right. just, I'm just saying. At a certain point, certain people, I, I know it, it, it wouldn't happen, and I'm sure it wouldn't be asked, but there was an interview with 
that Rob Zombie did with Danzig after mm-hmm. Danzig five came out and you could tell, um, Danzig clearly had regrets for how the, how the band kind of left. And then like the way he's talking about, it, he's like, Oh, with what I was doing, I didn't need those other guys. But then he says, Oh, I, I, yeah, I could have used eerie. Like it was clearly like it hit him. Like I like, I lost like a, almost a lifelong friend over it. But he was like, he was just clearly in denial. And I know, and a lot of these people, like you meet a lot of them and they're, a lot of them have a huge ego and there's a lot of pride and there's a lot of like drama with, with money and, and a lot of greed and a lot of stupid things. No, I, and I, I understand all of that. Like, and when I was younger, I was the Mr. Who cares? It's still the band. Like it says Megadeth, mm-hmm. that's Megadeth. But now I'm just like, you know, yeah. wouldn't it be cool if you just like, like you did a tour with Marty Friedman, like, well, I mean, come on, come on. Yeah, but see, that's on your your Christmas short list. I know, uh, I know. Wish, <laughs> wish list. I never you get know, what I, I wish, want for Christmas. I, you just get socks. <laughs> you just, a one. lot of socks, and, uh, <laughs> a, a, a socks, and a chub pack of uh, you know <laughs> underwear from Costco. And, you know, and right. a new and a new Metallica record. Oh, good. <laughs> there you go. Well, Actually, and, you know. One of my highlights besides meeting you, Will, uh, Sir William, is I got to talk <laughs> with uh, Chris Poland for about 30 minutes. And, really? And, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he was yeah. really, and I was like, oh, am I taking away some time? And I was like, well, I mean, I'll let him kick me, kick me away. But anyways, it was really, really cool. And he said something that he was really proud of was in particular the solo from Tears in a Vial off of the System Has Failed um, album. Mm. And, you know, that was what 20 years after the first record it's 20 um, years ago know, now yeah that yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it was really interesting to get his take i didn't want to ask him too much and we you know asked him to come on our show and hopefully he will he's like oh let me talk to the band like to get them on I'm like, oh wow that's like really cool and he was incredibly cool incredibly nice but i mean it like what we were saying even then you know i don't think he toured with them that would have been incredible but I, I know there's a lot of you know sometimes people want to be around their family they don't want to do a, a world tour because if you're in megadeth you're you're expected to work you, you got to leave some stuff yeah. behind yeah. you know if you want to get that yeah. check I, I get it but yep. i'm glad he was on that record mm-hmm. yeah i mean he he knows what's uh he knows what he's done uh with with Megadeth and he's proud of his work and that he for him to pinpoint that particular solo it's just like that that tells you you know he he stands behind what he contributed and it's like cool because I wouldn't have thought of that I would have thought of that song at all it's like yeah. oh okay yeah. now see now that we brought this up go back and 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 uh, give it another listen but you know P sells the first thing that comes to mind when uh, that lineup. Uh, but failed cool yeah yeah when i first talked to him like yeah hey the first two megadeth records are my favorite and he kind of i mean i think he said like thank you but he just went to the next point where no like i'm more proud of the system has failed stuff essentially because that's you know i'm like oh that's like really that is a good album you know this kind of took us by surprise and you know megadeth since has had some really great albums you know like dystopia is one of I'd put that in as one of their top records and even the newest one as well, the sick dying and the dead. I mean, they, 
not a lot of bands kind of return to form, so to speak. Yeah, they had their the risk album and whatever and <laughs> if, if if you haven't noticed you know megadeth is probably our pound for pound favorite you know band of all time we're um, contractually obligated to bring up megadeth several times <laughs> no. we get our yeah. checks from dave <laughs> noted okay noted <laughs> all right all right yeah. i i, I think, do uh, oh go ahead sorry go ahead. Go ahead. no i was just thinking that now now that I have a little background in, in that respect, it's like okay, well, hopefully I've I've uh, toned my <laughs> comments uh, uh, about uh, that band because I love them to death. But when they've had, um, and I've already said this before, but just when they've had so many different lineup ch- changes, sometimes it's for the better. Sometimes it's well, it's a head scratcher because the previous lineup, you know. That was fabulous. And you're just hoping that, you know, consistency will be the norm, but it's difficult um, because every, you know, there's, there's so many different variables uh, from keeping lineups together for long periods. But yeah, you know, P-Cell's lineup, you know, late Nick Menza, uh, you know, after that, it's like, you know, Marty, you know, those those were great but he's he's you know it's that's a new chapter new era going more going forward so we'll see what we get um i think the new new guitar player or team to be yeah so it's like okay I, I hope he he sticks around for a while because the previous guitar player was no no slouch <laughs> and the one before right. that no slouch you know i i just hope that you know, whatever whatever gets produced underneath the the Megadeth banner just slays. You know, and so always. Uh, I mean, the the the, the consist- consistency of putting out new material and not um, another greatest hits package or live album. It's like I do that all day, but new material. It's like great. So we'll see. We'll see. Now you you got me thinking because I I love the band Sodom and they just put out i think a year or so ago the the 40 years at war and they re-recorded one song uh, off of each record mm-hmm. i i don't know if i want this or not but i think i would love for megadeth to re-record like killing is my business i don't think they would but like what would it take for for someone to get them to do that like you know like would they do it for a, a price or even put chris Poland on it because we've even said that you can't well maybe we haven't said this but you can't recreate Gar Samuelson. Like he was just, I th- he's like my favorite drummer and you could tell sure. when he's playing like that, that's him. Like, and mm-hmm. sure. Like they play, you know, peace sells live and some of the songs, but they Wake don't really dead. play. What's that? Wake up yeah, dead. Wake yeah. Up dead, that's it. But they don't play really anything off of killing is my business, but I think it's almost like nothing against any drummers. I mean, maybe you could get like Gene Hogland to play <laughs> his stuff. Cause he, I love Gene, mm-hmm. uh, his drumming, right. but Gar is that special drummer that I don't think gets enough credit. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I don't know where I stand on like bands re-recording because um, because the biggest knock on Killing Is My Business is the production value. Like it's not yeah. good, but it, the no, songs the production amazing. is the production is bad. It is like <laughs> a, like the the final kill sounds pretty good, but mm-hmm. I have the original 
release. And it does sound bad. Like there are, there are highs that are missing and just, just well, keep in mind, keep in mind you're, you're, you're hearing this on the lens of you being current, going back and saying that at the time, there's no budget for that album. It was probably done less than twelve thousand dollars. I think it was. I think it was eight thousand. And eight. what Dave and said, he spent half on drugs. On drugs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I gave it. I gave it a four thousand dollar bump. So Randy Burns could do but so much with the budget that they had and the time in the studio, and that's what your end result is. Um, you know, look, unless there's a anniversary type of situation with uh next year yeah next year so if he owns the masters and wants to do something with it there's that i i know um he did uh, he did do something with maybe it was remastered something with maybe it was these boots i know these boots yes yeah he re-recorded it like it's new vocals on it that's it i know that was done at some point years ago yeah. But to do the whole album, eh, I wasn't a fan when Exodus did Bonded by Blood. No, that sounds not very Rob good. Dukes. Yeah, yeah I, I don't no. think it sounds and, very good. And Exodus are one of my top bands, uh, thrash bands out there. But Bonded by Blood is is just not to be touched. And to introduce Rob Dukes as he was in the lineup at the time. Right. Rob's great for the stuff he did with Exodus, all the original material, but to just to just do a, a version of Bonded, no, no, that's uh, that's that's a line too far. So, not necessarily necessarily the same thing with Killing Is My Business because Dave's vocals are would be would be uh, changed, but it would be he would be the same vocals, not the same example. But what I'm saying is. That was a different circumstance to do a re-recording of Killing Is My Business. You know, hard to get a good read on that as to the only reason to do it would be for anniversary purposes. It's not like they'll tour behind it. Um, you know, the 30, you know, 30th anniversary of Killing My Business, we're going to do this album in its entirety. That will never happen. Looking down the cross will never be played live. Well, it's my favorite um, song. Often, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> That that one I wholeheartedly can say that you'll never hear that live again. Great stuff, um, but no, you know. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm saying this from a fan perspective. I don't have any inner workings about uh, Dave's mindset on that. So uh, I'm just saying you, you <laughs> we are, but uh, but in the context of trying to yeah. sort of curb your enthusiasm and being um, you know voracious Megadeth fans. I, I'm just uh, I'm just trying to get you guys to sort of pump the brakes. We don't know what Dave has planned, if anything at all. But that one, I'd be hard pressed that there'd be a re-recording. Because um, if he owns the Masters, great. If he doesn't, then 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 that's that would be a reason to re-record because then he would get uh, the new um, rights to those new recordings of those old songs. So. We'll see. We'll and I've see. always, I've gonna, always found. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. That, no, that. I, I was going to say, I always found that era of Megadeth particularly frustrating with with current Dave, and I've never wanted them to re-record stuff because, like, because I, I do appreciate 
killing is my business for what it is. I just have to be objective. Like in my old, in my, my older years, like, yeah, the production's not good, <laughs> but that's part of the charm of the record. It gives it more raw sound. Like I rust in peace, I think is probably one of the best produced records of all time it has an amazing sound. And I think that's partially what gives it a lot of its reputation, but if you give it the killing is my business production, it takes a lot out of it because that album feels very mature. Like that is like, you know, them in their, their prime, but I've always wanted Megadeth to re-record all the songs that Dave won't play live, but with new lyrics. So he will play them. Cause I understand why he doesn't do it on a personal level, but there's just so many songs like Dave, like you, you can play Rattlehead live like every night. You should close every show with Rattlehead. You can even have a guy come out dressed as Rattlehead <laughs> and do your own thing. And just, right, right. Oh, come on. Just like you're almost there. Uh, I understand certain songs like The Conjuring. Yeah, I get it. You don't have to play The Conjuring. You don't have to play Bad Omen. But you can play Killing is My Business. Come on. <laughs> AC, you, 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 you and DJ should make a big master list. Start a campaign. Start now, before next year, and then maybe it'll catch traction. Maybe it'll draw focus, and people will chime in, and there'll be like-minded individuals that are just overtly adamant to to will this into existence. So, my suggestion: start your campaign now. The killing is my business. Please re-record it tour twenty twenty-five. So. So we, you now. We did an entire show on the evolution of Megadeth set lists throughout <laughs> the did. year. You don't you don't say. <laughs> yeah. Oh, why am that I surprise so you? shocked? <laughs> oh no, what are the chances? And uh, right. and and we just went over just how like like the exact <laughs> point when they just stopped playing like the the classic songs, right? There it is. It's right there. And that's when when Megadeth changed eras that's when they did their their heel turn heel turn yeah. you guys it's the wrestling oh. episode that's oh. that's this is, this is some some fanboy passion right here oh gosh you, you we, guys, and we don't do guys. it for any other band other than megadeth that, yeah that's clear, true clearly that's <laughs> uh, fine but you should start your own social media campaign just to get it going because not a bad idea we'll, oh we'll do it no, we will. Don't don't oh, uh, do challenge us with that. You'll do it. You know, I'll I did see like um, sadly I just opened Pandora's box. But yeah, you did. You don't even know what you just started. <laughs> you know, and I thought we were gonna ask you a bunch about because you were in the Get Thrash documentary with Rick Ernst, and we had him on as a guest. Yeah. And that's yeah. um, you know, I'll give a little a spoiler alert. It, it was one of our most, I'd say, important episodes having him on because of okay. what he talked about, especially mm -hmm. in regards to when he was working at MTV, there was an order given at the top to, you know, stop, to, like, turn the metal off, stop, like, mm -hmm. no more metal at the height of metal. So I, I yeah. wonder, I was going to, you know, going to ask you, I guess I'm asking you this now, uh, if you had to experience anything like that in your industry and in your career or how... I guess the nineties, how were you able to survive being, being a metalhead and working in metal and music? Well, if you take away the magazines and, you know, the, the vehicle that MTV once was, you still had a lot of underground bands. You still had a lot of bands in Europe, you know, mm -hmm. that, that whole era of demo trading, you know, cassette tapes, 
the spirit of that never went away because in different factions of you know Germany, UK, uh, Scandinavia countries, there were still bands that weren't affected by you know US's um, um, you know just this, yeah <laughs> it's like we're talking festivals were still yeah. going on uh, uh, records were still being released and you didn't have a complete global shutdown it was clearly in the american market but you know get into the 90s not gonna you know not gonna tread over the whole grunge aspect of it but you know look at bands like pantera they they were still going at the after cowboys from hell mm -hmm. you know so the bands were out there they just weren't getting the exposure that they once had um so yeah i saw the shift and, and their bands were changing their styles and we've we've touched on this about uh the dynamics of styles and changing being up with the times and you know kind of being something you're not but meanwhile trying to say stay relevant current but the bands were still out there people just had to go the extra effort to seek them out go to the record store that were still mm -hmm. selling vinyl um that still had import sections it was still out there i mean all to the 90s into the 2000s and then uh you, you just had to be more diligent how diligent how passionate are you about this yeah, music Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the releases were still happening. You just weren't hearing them on the radio. You weren't seeing them in the magazines. So it was it was a change to adjust to. And you know, Slayer is an example. They were still putting out releases. Some sold more than others, but they were still uh putting out releases in a time where it was frowned on. But again, it's American market versus the rest of the world. Complete, you know, complete difference. Yeah. So, And what we've said on this show, and we, we usually ask our guests too, is like how many grunge bands are out there right now? <laughs> new ones, new ones, not, <laughs> yeah, not new the ones. legacy acts, yeah. new ones. Mm, that's a Google, that's a Google search. Exactly. Well, Man. Uh, yeah, Google, Google yeah. asked me if I'd like to use a different search engine. <laughs> <laughs> but you go to, you know, Metal Allegiance or, or or even if you go to a local club, you're going to see new thrash bands, new death metal bands, even new black metal bands. But you're yeah. not going to say like, oh, we're having um new new band grunge night tonight. Like that's it was a total well, trend. Well, or I'll say that. Take take the sound of bands came from the Northwest and sort of like a, you know, garagey, um, you know, just a rough sludge rock produced. Yeah. Elements of that found its way in a rebranded, uh, style of music to a certain extent. Emo. Oh no. <laughs> that, that power pop, that bouncy, you know the the emotional lyrics, the emotional delivery. There's, oh, thank you, grunge. <laughs> yeah, there a lot of bands that um, I would sort of would have that title now. So I would say take grunge for what it was. I think it's been it's just, just rebranded some capacity emo bands. That that's how I say it. this. Not 
a hundred percent, but there's elements that. of attitudes, appearance, t- song topics, kind painting of the nails. Well, that's that's just the aesthetics of a <laughs> look, but in terms of uh, what the music's being produced and um, how they go about, they carry themselves in interviews and you know what the you know live shows. That's kind of the. I think the two are are joined in mm. in in a lot of different areas. So that's that's what I, that's that's my take on that. But I, I I think you're right, and we haven't had someone kind of bring it up to our attention like that. But I I I tend to agree mm. with you on that. Yeah. But I would say those emo bands, you know, they did have like a rise in the 2000s, but I don't really think they're that popular now. Not my scene, but you know, look at you know, it's just, you know, the lyrics again. Panic at okay. the disco. Follow yeah, the boy. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sad boy. You get into, yeah. yeah, just you know, um, I'm not gonna go through the litany of them. People can do this yeah, on their people, own. People, yeah, people got it. They know those emo bands. Yeah, mm-hmm. the lyrics. Look at the lyrics of what was written. You know, early Nirvana stuff. Early. Uh, you know, skin yard, sound garden, uh, mud honey, you know, s- screaming trees. It's it's right there. It's just given a little more of a pop uh, tonality to it. Just with your, there's a little punk rock. Just and less heroin. Jeez. <laughs> Uh, AC, you're you're horrible. Yeah, yes, he is. <laughs> yes. And you tell him that he's horrible. <laughs> Not touch that. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. Well, well, what have you um, been listening to lately? No, the dreaded, the dreaded listening to question. Oh. Guys, <laughs> I literally have been focused on, you caught me at a time where I literally have been focused on uh, the cruise and all the bands, because I'm going back into a lot of their discographies and just putting together playlists and things that I'm going to do for the, these five days. So a lot of my focus has been on a lot of those bands, newer stuff. You know, I, technically, I should have had a list so I can go. Oh yeah, bang, 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 bang. But you know, this, this, I might might request an edit here <laughs> because <laughs> it's, it's all staying in. It's it kind of blurs. It kind of just blurs to me. And this is not. This is not a a, 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 a stab at uh, the bands that I I mix and do sound for. You know where I work, but. You know, very few. A lot of it is, a lot of it is derivatives, but there's something there. You know, each one offers a little something different, but you know, nothing just like yeah, coming out of you know location A. You're gonna, you know, you know, that doesn't mean that doesn't mean I have a hard drive full of newer music, but you know. But and then someone could hear this and think, well, they must not be very good if you can't think of the band. It's like people don't understand what my collection looks like and how much music I get on a daily basis. Oh yeah. If you well, every, and how much work you're problem. actually doing too. So you get yeah. You know. And I, and I go back to I go back to the classics. A lot of cases, you know, if I'm, you know, going a long drive, I'll put on stuff that I like. Anything newer is potentially from a band that has put out a new release, the new creator. 
the new primal fear, the new destruction, this, that, and the other. You're going to have fans that have been around 30, 40 years that are putting out new material. Hey, maybe I will get around to uh, hearing something from a brand new band, but it's, I'm, I'm really just inundated so much. Um, I, I'd have to say that newer bands have a tough go of it and to get the attention of others, you gotta, you gotta do something that's hard to do, be different. You know, you know, it's not about, it's really about presentation. Um, what you're, you know, what you're promoting your brand. And I, I, I harp on that term a lot, but that is the case. Bands and are a brand. So newer bands, it's uh, yeah, tough one. There's yeah. there's I'm I, there's dozens of bands that are like oh there's these these guys have some promise, but I'm uh, I'm just all over the place with <laughs> things that I snippets of and. You know, oh yeah, I'll make note of that. I'll put this in a folder and get to it later. It's we're talking a lot of music, <laughs> a lot of music to compete with. No matter where you're from in the world, uh, you're putting out you're putting out new music and you know trying to get people to check it out. It's the the, the social media TikTok generation. It's like, all right, let's hear what you got. It's like, let's hear what you got. Let's see what your <laughs> let, let me see if I can hear what your influences are and try not to pick it apart like a vulture and and uh, try to give you some um, creative criticism because I don't want to say I've heard it all but there's some truth to that. Um, there's, there's reason you know I love I love heavy metal I love all aspects of it the good the bad the ugly but uh, yes. newer materials like you got there's a lot to overcome to get me to go crazy about what you're doing currently because the influences have to come from something in the past and guess who is from the past not that i'm living in the past but <laughs> it's like I we can't, are <laughs> yeah i can't can't prevent the fact that 40 plus years of just dealing with all aspects of music um i've come across a lot and it's very easy to just pick up on something that, oh, there's a, I can see where his vocals sound like this. And the guitar style, the production gives me a little remembrance of that. It's like, and so, so well, a long, a long answer to your question. Like yes, it. there's new bands that I like and that I listen to, but to name them, I will plead the fifth. Well, might I uh, suggest a a new band? Oh, uh, um, <laughs> it's 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 AC's band called Ancestors Call, and there's definitely some influence, especially in the vocals that you can you can hear. Yes, it's it, oh yes, Ancestors. Ancestors. Yeah. We're not really sure where the apostrophe goes, but uh, goes yeah. after the S. Okay. okay. Well, sometimes you don't put it anywhere, so I don't. I don't know. But I stopped putting uh, it there because yeah, it was too confusing uh, for the artist. That's why stopped. I started doing the art myself. There you I go. See. But no, it's, it uh, it's really good. It's even in our uh, email signature, so it's got the Bandcamp link. You don't you don't have to pay him to to uh, to view it. No. But you know, also at AC AC also recommended. To me, the band and I don't know how it got past my 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 ethers or whatever, but oh, the band icon? called 
icon. Yes. The, the album Night of the Crime. And it's from 1985. And it's literally the best album. Uh oh. Wait a second. How do we go from. Don't worry about it. Check out a new band <laughs> to bringing up. Because a band the, from Arizona's second release, if I'm not mistaken. How do we quick? How do we get to that segue? Because DJ well, just discovered it, and have you ever yes. met that guy who just discovered something everyone else knows, and they have to tell <laughs> everyone about it? That's DJ like, with Icon, because like the Guatemalan Arnold. Yes, exactly. Uh, well, <laughs> it's new to I him. Know. Yes, it's new to wow. me. Wow. Okay. All right. Well, DJ, I, I appreciate your passion. Hopefully you can get that Megadeth energy into Icon because yes. they, they have about four releases and uh, yeah, you'll three the of first them. one. <laughs> technically four. Technically okay. four. There is um, a release that was a cassette only release and I'm saying this without uh, looking on any... Is it uh, the More Perfect this? Union? That's it. I yeah. can't get that. I want to listen to it. You know why? Because it was only in cassette <laughs> form at the time. It was never uh, made into vinyl. It may be now, maybe uh, some Im- some import company reached out to, you know, John or Dan Wexler to mm. do something with it. I, I don't keep track of that aspect. Maybe there's a version of it on Discogs that someone has created and made a limited yeah. edition. But yeah, so technically they have four releases, four releases, three singers possibly two the okay. ones that they did live with uh, the last time i saw them was in 2009 so now okay. you got me on an icon jag but yes uh, don't uh don't sleep on the debut on capitol records um oh. they they had uh they had a moment to shine and those those first couple of releases are pretty awesome the third one is on mega force hmm Night of the, sorry. Uh, there's right between the eyes is one of them. Right, yeah, right between the yeah. eyes is on on Mega Force. Okay, and that's the third one. So I, that's 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 what the different singer. singer. I know that. Yeah, <laughs> correct, correct. Uh, but yeah, don't don't sleep on the Capitol well, release from 1984 no. since you brought up Icon. Yes, no. uh, so yeah, so. uh, apparently right. they're working on new material uh, and they like reunited. Uh, uh, yeah, mm, what was that? AC? We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I was gonna say, uh, breaking news the album was re released on CD in 1995, apparently, with uh, looks to be seven bonus tracks. A perfect union, yeah. Well, I can't find it anywhere. Due to fan <laughs> demand, the album was re-released in 1995 on CD with the title "In Even More Perfect." Ah, oh, that's yeah. uh, I see. Well, there you go. I, I, I figured by by now it uh, something it's been given some some TLC. So, all right, you, you got some hunting to do, AC. Yes, DJ, we do. Yes, we have we have a few um, social media pages we need to create to uh, demand the public. Uh, you know, give us what we want. <laughs> Come on, we, give we're working the metal, hard over here. Give the metal podcast what they want. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, but uh, right but Will, <clears throat> I, I'd love to you know give you opportunity. You know, thank you again for for being with us. I mean, this has been a yeah. blast. You're gonna have to come back on again at some point. You know, if 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 you if you had a good time and think we're decent human beings, if not, that's okay. But we, you only we, need we to think one either. of us is a decent human being. Yeah, <laughs> gentlemen, don't be so self-effacing. Um, yeah, we can we can do a uh, a, a part. Duh. Uh, in, like in the future, so 
you know, that's uh, that's fine. Lots there's always there will always be something going on in the world of heavy metal. And you know, at this time, you caught me at a certain juncture where there's focus on you know certain things, and then topically, we can always bridge uh, many things to talk about because the bands that we we've grown up, brands that we love, um, a lot of them are still producing, and we we have uh, the ability to sort of voice our opinions and thoughts about uh, the music and about those releases. So absolutely, we can do this again. So Wonderful. sure. Yeah, you thank it. you. And is there anything you personally would like to plug or let let the audience know about? You know, where I mean, I'm sure it's it's not too hard to find you. You know, you're a very memorable guy. You know, I'm glad yeah. you're not out there committing crimes because you'd get you'd get <laughs> caught quick <laughs> and behaving well, yourself. <laughs> hey, that 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 example's true. I mean, I know a lot of uh, <laughs> bad folks, and you know, hung around those those crowds. But you know, it's like. I didn't partake in the the plunder of, uh, of of excesses, so you know, knock on wood. I mean, at least that's a good trait, I think. Uh, oh, to, yeah, to it is. Find my... Well, I would say for your viewers and your listeners, uh, uh, other than the Monsters of Rock Cruise that I, I've talked about, you can go to that website, themonstersofrockcruise.com. You can always see what uh, is in store. If you've never been on a cruise, it's definitely – not your average cruise. That's for that's for damn sure. And I think the important thing is uh, you, you go to have fun because a lot of these bands don't tour, and uh, this is why I do it. And this is why I keep getting asked back time and time again. It's just that added value um, to not only being there but being a part of the, the that whole um, the whole cruise. And I dig it. So Monster Rock Cruise uh, is uh, where it can be found on the ship. Uh, <laughs> if you're ever in the Los Angeles area. Uh, the world-famous Rainbow Bar and Grill. Uh, you can find me upstairs on select nights. Um, and that would be Over the Rainbow, which is uh, synonymous with the Hollywood Vampire's Lair, home of Alice Cooper's Drinking Society crew back in the day. You'll have to see the original sign. So the Rainbow Bar and Grill and the Sunset Strip right next to the Roxy. Uh, that's also my place. And as mentioned at the very, very beginning of the Metal Podcast, uh, out of the ashes of knac.com, uh, find me on Total Rock Radio. Uh, that would be very, very early in the morning, depending on where you are in the world, uh, 11 to 2 GMT time. So if you're in the United States of America, do the math. There's an eight-hour difference. So my three-hour show called The Vaults, which basically brought over from KNAC, uh, is primarily music. The occasional interview but i like to put together music and i like to, to put together the era of thrash the 80s and 90s and then sprinkle in some new stuff but you gotta <laughs> listen and sometimes i'll just play it without, without hyping it up i just want people to be to get into a conversation and say hey what was that song you played in the second hour or third or fourth song i go i've never heard that before well guess what it's a new band because i decided to put it in there so three hours the Vault on Total Rock Radio, based in the UK, but can be heard 24-7. A lot of multiple DJs, a lot of uh, great shows there. And happy and absolutely um, ecstatic to continue to spread the metal gospel. So there you go. Yes. AJ? AJ? See, <laughs> all, these, all these names. There's a lot AC, of acronyms. <laughs> a lot of acronyms. 
So AC and uh, DJ <laughs> gentlemen, uh, I appreciate you having me on the show again. Like I said, we'll do this in part two. So uh, there you have it, folks. Uh, uh, that's that's what I got. You guys take care, yeah. and yes. uh, I, I do I do appreciate you having me on. No, Hopefully, it was informative for yes. for for yourselves and for anyone uh, listening and viewing this because it's like if they anyone thinks I don't know what I'm talking about. Okay, then, then that's laissez Buckle fair. up. Buckle Buckle up. up. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and thank you so much again. You know, your your commitment to keeping metal and rock alive is is unparalleled, and we hope to. You know, that's the point of our show as well is to keep this. We, we what we'd like to do besides our demands to have you know Megadeth play all the songs that we want them to <laughs> is to get metal back in the mainstream because because it's important because when you listen to metal you listen to guitars the drums it gets you interested and inspired it's inspiring music to pick up an instrument it literally makes you smarter to play an instrument and obviously you could tell I don't play an instrument so I'm not very smart but you know AC you can play. You got a band. You got a new band. Okay. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but anyways, you know, I really liked what you said about you know your answer to the question: Is this a is this still the band? You know, members change, but the brand remains. I think that's going to be one of our new slogans. You know, we'll give you credit. You know, for that. But that was awesome and you know have a great time on, on the monsters of rock cruise i wish i could go you know if you have any free tickets or willing to pay for my airfare you know I, i'm nah. more than i'm more than willing to go <laughs> you, you, you can you can crowd you could crowdfund the metal podcast okay help we'll a do brother that. out help a brother oh, okay. out. okay uh, we'll put it in the description we'll give you some links <laughs> campaign yeah, so. yeah, we're doing a lot of campaigning right now. It seems yeah, like, but but again, you know, everyone else out there, and for you, Will, you know, you know, wishing you luck, and on that cruise especially, you know, stay safe out there. That's the plan. That's the plan. So, guys, thank you. Mm-hmm.